Well, hello, and thank you for the next edition of the West Connect podcast, uh, where we are trying to make sure that um, student athlete alums at Wesleyan are successful on the field and off. And I'm excited to have with me today, Chad Malowski. Um, I probably screwed up your last name. I'm sorry. But, sorry, um, Malinowski. <laughs> Malinowski, bear with me here. But I'm excited to have Chad. Actually, the way the world works, I interviewed uh, John Gannon um, two weeks ago. And I know you and John are very tight, but maybe for um, the listeners, can you give a little bit of background on yourself? And you were very active at Wesleyan. So talk a little bit about all the things that you did on campus as well as on the field. Sure. So at, at Wesleyan, I was fortunate to be a member of the men's ice hockey and men's lacrosse team while I was there and had great experiences in both, um, had really successful hockey seasons, really turning the program uh, around and uh, obviously the, the year that I left, they won the national champ, uh, the NESCAC championship, which was super exciting. And then in, in lacrosse was obviously a part of the, the NESCAC and national championship winning teams. Uh, so I was really fortunate to have a, a really strong athletic career during my four years um, and off the field had a great four years as well. I actually triple majored in economics, math and computer science did a lot of clubs on campus in terms of trying to trying to be engaged in, in terms of helping with uh, the student athlete advisory committee, uh, volunteering at McDonough Elementary School, um, started the Road to Finance Club, and just, just really tried to engage with all the different things that Wesleyan has to offer uh, and take full advantage of, of the four years while I was there. Yeah, that's great. And before we kind of unpack all of that, as a lacrosse alum, I want to thank you for winning the national championship because <laughs> You upped my credibility in Nashville, Tennessee about tenfold. So thank you for all the work there. And, <laughs> and honestly, to be able to see the program go from, from where it was when I was there to where it was with you all, um, impressive and a testament to, to Rayba and the coaching staff and obviously the team. So maybe, you know, triple major, that's unusual, obviously. Was that the plan going in or did that unfold when you got to campus? Yeah, I think it just unfolded, obviously, as, as a lot of people know, Wesleyan is really great about um, making every class available to you, regardless of what your major is. So I kind of just came in undecided with what I wanted to do, but leaning uh, towards kind of like economics and just started really taking courses and really just enjoyed the courses that I took uh, in those three disciplines. And so decided to see kind of what it would be like if I wanted to do that. I took a physics class. I took a freshman year seminar. So I did sample, um, you know, the full curriculum over kind of like the, my freshman and sophomore year and kind of realized later towards, you know, the end of sophomore year that I really wanted to, to kind of see if I could triple major and, and plan planned out my schedule um, for what it was going to look like. Um, but also wanted to make sure I got the liberal arts experience and, and took classes in, in different disciplines like history or philosophy or government. Um, and so wanted to make sure I wasn't really just kind of focusing too narrowly on, on those three majors, which I ended up not doing. Um, so it was an, a really great uh, experience that really helped me develop um, in the classroom in a lot of different ways. And, and being a two-sport athlete, also unusual, um, was that likewise the plan going in or was that something that just kind of evolved? And how did you balance that with being a triple major? Yeah, I think uh, it, it, was, it was definitely the plan coming in. I really uh, had a passion for both sports and, and really wanted to play. Uh, and I think my teammates were, were really great about it in terms of understanding, you know, like the, the fall was probably the toughest season because, you know, there were times where I'd go, you know, right from hockey um, practice in the fall from 4.30 to 6.30 right onto the lacrosse field at 7. 
Um, and so like my, my friends just kind of helped, helped me with, you know, making sure I had dinner when I got back because the dining halls were closed and, and really just kind of understanding if I needed the night off and, and kind of really trusting me to manage um, kind of like my body and, and, and things like that. And so, you know, Coach Potter and Coach Raver were really helpful in terms of, you know, kind of when's, when's the time to focus on hockey and then when's the time to focus on lacrosse. And obviously, you know, senior year, I was captain of both. And so I think I navigated it um, pretty well and was able to kind of um, dedicate myself to, to both teams, um, you know, to the extent that I could and, and really enjoyed that experience and, and wouldn't trade it for anything. So were there ever any moments when you thought maybe I should dial this back, you know, just focus on one sport or maybe drop one of the majors? Did it, did it ever seem overwhelming or are you the type that the more work, the better, and that's the more productive you can be? Yeah, I think it was the more work, the better. Uh, there were definitely times where I, you know, struggled with kind of how much was on my plate. And again, kind of go back to the friendships uh, that I was able to make at Wesleyan, both, you know, with people on my teams and with people um, outside of it to really have kind of conversations with with friends about it and, and kind of help them kind of push me and continue to to motivate me and also just kind of continue to motivate myself. And so um, I definitely enjoy being busy. It's part of the reason why I kind of chose my you know, career path, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a bit more about later. Um, but I, I think people were really great in kind of helping keep me motivated, keep me on, on path. And uh, it was what I wanted to do. And, and I loved every minute of it. Oh, that's terrific. Um, and, you know, kudos to you because that, that's quite a bit. You alluded to this earlier. Let's get into it. Um, you know, when I talked to, when I spoke to John Gannon, he said that you were a voracious networker and he ran out of people to connect you with. Was that inherent with you from day one or was that a skill set that you developed while you were at school at Wesleyan? Yeah, I think it was something I definitely developed. I think you know, for me, um, coming in freshman year, I didn't really know what it was I wanted to do. Um, I had ideas of kind of like what was interesting to me. And so, you know, from day one, I kind of started reaching out, um, you know, to people on campus that had done, you know, similar things that I was interested in. So I talked to, you know, Hank Baird, who was on the lacrosse team, who, you know, was interning at Jeffries about kind of like what his life was like, what his role was like. I was speaking to, you know, people who had inter uh, interned at McKinsey about what their kind of roles were like and just kind of speaking to, you know, older older people on the team and kind of that I was, was friends with in classes about, you know, what can you do with your major? What can you do with classes you take? Like what what is there outside of school? And so, you know, very early on, I kind of had those conversations with the career center about what's the job landscape like you know what do people like to do what what are these you know what are kind of like the main things people go into after Wesleyan I mean just started kind of talking to people and hearing about their job at the very um you know kind of like right out of school level that I would be experiencing um and so I started that really early and just kind of having conversations and didn't know anything um but then it allowed me to focus a bit more on um, investment banking by kind of like maybe the end of my freshman and saw and beginning of my sophomore year that hey this is kind of what I want to do um, now I need to make sure to get that and so for me uh, I think being an athlete I'm, I'm you know very determined and so for me it was like you know the only thing that's bad is to not do anything um, so I really just started um, kind of going through the Wesleyan alumni directory um, seeing you know were there any old friends that you know are in this now or are also looking into it to try to leverage my kind of like personal network and just trying to kind of like 
make connections with people. But again, starting at the kind of like more junior levels um, and kind of working my way up to, you know, the, the people that are, you know, 40, 50 that have been in the industry for a very long time because um, I wanted to kind of make myself be a little bit more polished um, before kind of reaching out to them and having those conversations. Um, because the conversation that you have with someone who, you know, maybe graduated two years ago is much different than the person who's been in the industry for, you know, 20, 25 years and has a bit more sway over hiring decisions and kind of like has more connections in the industry. Um, so for me, that was kind of the approach that I took. And I took a very um, proactive one that the, the only wrong thing to do at, at that point was to kind of do nothing. So if, if I could extrapolate that a little bit and break it down into segments, it sounds like you did a lot of informational interviews on the front end where you would leverage your affinity network. So if it's lacrosse or hockey or the majors you were in, you would reach out to folks and kind of understand what they did, what their jobs looked like, what it entailed, and, and probably more importantly, what, what it didn't entail. And then once you kind of did those informational interviews, you took the next step. And once you were able to leverage that network to get in front of maybe a decision maker or somebody that ultimately could hire you, you were very well prepared, you were organized, you understood you know, what the industry looked like, and that afforded you, uh, I would think, more efficient and more productive conversations with those folks. Is that a fair way to kind of summarize it? Yeah, exactly. By the time you had gotten to that kind of like third tier or third level, the conversation was, I know this is what I want to do. What can I do to get there? And like being much more specific and kind of it was informational, but I'm kind of like showing off my knowledge and my understanding of the space and, and showing my like real interest and drive to want to join. Um, whereas when it's someone that's out of school, it was much more casual and just kind of, you know, what's your role like? What do you do? And, and there wasn't really a bad question. Um, and so I wanted to kind of be more polished, like you said, for those kind of like, you know, more senior level discussions with people. And I think that's really useful. And given the, the course load and, and the athletic uh, focus that you had, could you give some of the listeners maybe some, some tips about how you stayed organized, how you leveraged the time that you did have, um, and, and maybe more importantly, what were not productive uses of your time as you were going through this process at school? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and candidly, it's almost like taking another class in terms of like, finding time to think about what you want to do, finding time to have all these discussions, finding time to, you know, prepare for these discussion and research the industries and find emails and, and all those different things. And so, you know, for me, I approach it very strategically. I, you know, Wesleyan does a great job of kind of having alumni directory. And so I kind of, you know, went, you know, okay, like, let me look through all the hockey alumni. Like, are there any ones that, you know, are very, you know, very successful in kind of invest banking that I might want to connect with. Um, okay, how can I connect with these people? Is it through my coach making a connection? Is it through me just sending them an email, which was ultimately what I ended up doing for everyone uh, and really just kind of reaching out through those channels. But um, I found it was productive to kind of go through and kind of identify first, like what I was interested in, do some research and then say, okay, who is in that that I'm interested in? Um, so I screened by like companies, you know, I looked at like JP Morgan, like, okay, is there anyone from Wesleyan uh, that works at JP Morgan? Okay. Like I would get their name and then I would do a quick LinkedIn search to make sure that, you know, they were still employed by JP Morgan because people move a lot, around a lot of industries and sometimes don't update their, you know, Wesleyan information. Um, 
And so that was kind of like the approach that I took. And then to be organized, I kind of had like a, you know, for me, like spreadsheets are a, a big thing. So I, I kind of had like a spreadsheet of my contacts when I reached out, like, okay, do I need to follow up with them because they didn't get back to me? Have I spoken to them? When was the last time I spoke to them? Like, what were my notes on this call? Uh, so I tried to be like very organized and detail oriented to, to make sure that, like you said, I could be as efficient as possible uh, and make the connections and conversations go as far as possible and really develop a relationship. And I think that was another reason why starting early for me was so successful because, you know, by the time that it was like, Hey, I want a job at your company. I'd already spoken to the person, you know, four or five times. I had met them in New York city once. So like we had a, an actual relationship uh, that we had kind of kept in touch over the course of the years that it was very natural for me to say, I'm interested in this position. Can you refer me? What's the process like, et cetera, rather than calling, you know, like two days before the application opened saying, Hey, like, you know, I'm interested in this company, you know, what's the process like for you to refer me, right? Like it, it's two very different conversations. One is obviously a lot more meaningful and, uh, and a lot more successful than the other, um, and so that was kind of like the approach that I took. Yeah. So what I heard there was, you know, being proactive, being organized, understanding that, you know, you, you should treat it like a second job that you need to dedicate 10, 20 hours a week to this and staying organized is key and building up that social capital, that political capital with that relationship early so that when you're ready to make the ask, it's not just out of the blue and not very sudden that it's a natural extension of that relationship that you've built. Those are all kind of the things that I heard. Um, anything that wasn't a productive use of your time, anything that you would kind of caution people against maybe going down a rabbit hole um, as we're all trying to guard against how we spend our time on our calendars? Yeah, I think it's a great, a great point. And I think you, you know, the end there where you say, you know, the time on your calendar, I think it's important to think of it from the other person's side. So for me, you know, I'm reaching out to people that are honestly very busy that are working, you know, like 80, 90 hours a week. And so for them to find 30 minutes in a calendar that's already extremely busy can sometimes be like a, a big challenge. And so for me, um, I spent a lot of time kind of like making sure my emails were, you know, very like almost perfect in terms of like said, what I was interested, said when I was free and I would make sure to send them out like I would wake up and send them all like, you know, 10 emails out at 8am, but each one was individualized. And so I think, you know, one thing that people can do uh, that's not a productive use of time is just kind of like, oh, I need to just send out emails. Let me send out a hundred emails. Like that's not a great use of time because if all one, if all hundred people get back to you, like you can't possibly talk to all 100 of them. And then two, you know, like you want to make each one personalized, you know, have the name of the company, have the person's name spelled right like all those little things really matter. Um, like now in my current role, like, you know, people have spelled my name wrong. People have said, I'm really interested in Morgan Stanley. You know, these aren't Wesleyan students. These are just students from other schools reaching out. And, you know, like you're not likely to respond to students like that, that kind of like make a mistake like that. So it's important to make sure that the email is, is personalized, is, you know, has your resume on and, and things like that. And so, you know, it's not like a law of large numbers thing, like you have to reach out to, you know, 100 people, but, you know, reaching out to, you know, three to five people in one week, um, and making each email kind of like tailored to the person is a good use of time, whereas sending 10 blanket emails where there's no description, and just oh, I'm interested in learning more about your job, 
like isn't isn't a productive use of time because it probably spent a long time to get that person's email and to get that person's contact information and to kind of like draft the one email that, that isn't focused. So I think that's uh, a use of time that isn't necessarily as productive. Yeah, that's great. And, and I would uh, piggyback on top of that by saying, you know, especially if somebody is, is going out there and making an introduction on your behalf or has provided themselves as a reference or a referral, you know, you are now just not only representing yourself, but you're also reflecting that person who's facilitating that conversation. And that's a very serious thing. Um, and it's, it's to be taken, not to be taken lightly. Um, and, and so I think that's really useful. Um, in the time we have left, I always think, you know, for me, looking back on it, time has a way to, um, you know, make things kind of less detail oriented. What exactly were the steps that you took to land your position that you have today? How did it actually end up flowing? Yeah, for sure. So uh, for me, it all started, I reached out uh, to Zach Cantor, who was a, a Wesleyan alum who played uh, on the football team, you know, a, a short time ago, uh, as he would prefer to say. Um, but we reached out, I obviously had reached out to a lot of the larger firms on Wall Street and, and kind of was having really good traction. And so we kind of just developed a relationship. Um, and when it came time to kind of like interview for positions, like I kind of, I, I, you know, I did the interview, thought it went well, was feeling pretty confident, obviously had done, you know, like I think maybe 10 to 12 other interviews with other firms at that point and, and was having really good kind of success. Uh, and then, you know, kind of was fortunate to get the offer from that interview process, um, which was a bit different. And, and I think that's a, you know, an, another area, which is, you know, every, every firm, every position has their own kind of interview structure. Um, so that's an important thing to know, kind of like going into the process is, is what to expect. And so um, ended up kind of taking taking the position there and, and did the internship there and then um, for full time moved to a, a different team in New York City. Um, but it all kind of started with that initial phone call um, with Zach, you know, very early in the process. Uh, funny enough, I, I think to an earlier point, he had just moved uh, to JP Morgan from Deutsche Bank. And so when I looked at his uh, WestConnect, um, it said that he was you know, working for Deutsche Bank. And so I had the email typed out and, you know, Zach, I'm really interested in Deutsche Bank, would love to find time to talk, did my double check on LinkedIn and saw, oh, he just moved, you know, a month ago to JP Morgan. Like, let me make sure I change that and kind of re kind of craft email to be more focused on JP Morgan. Um, and so, you know, obviously kind of built a relationship there and, and, and all, you know, the rest is they say is history. It's cliche, but true that you only have one chance to make a first impression, right? And so you want to make sure you're stepping with the right foot forward. Maybe to help people understand a little bit, if they're a current student or a recent graduate, they're interested in investment banking or JP Morgan in particular, could you go through a little bit about um, your role at the firm and, and what the day-to-day -day looks like for you? Yeah, for sure. So I think you know, the role of the firm uh, is one, I, I maybe, maybe start with an overview. So it, what investment banking is, it, it connects, uh, works with, with corporations primarily that are looking to do um, kind of make strategic decisions. And so the investment bank will, you know, provide a, a strategic advisory to that company in terms of, you know, uh, mergers and acquisition advice or underwriting in terms of helping a company maybe go public 
or helping a company, you know, raise money in the debt markets. Um, so we work with kind of like large institutions at JP Morgan that are focused on kind of like, you know, those things and kind of just have a relationship with, you know, the board of directors and the CEO um, and kind of the rest of the team uh, and kind of help them with, you know, strategic decisions that are a bit on the bigger scale. And so for me specifically, um, I work with other financial institutions, primarily banks. Um, and so we're helping banks think about, you know, potential M&A partners um, or kind of access in the debt markets or, you know, dealing with activist investors or just kind of anything that's, you know, big picture strategy stuff. Um, and so my role primarily is kind of creating financial models of potential transactions, as well as um, working with our team to prepare materials for, uh, you know, a, a meeting with a, corp uh, a corporate executive or preparing um, kind of like in information briefings for our team on clients um, as things kind of develop. And so it's a pretty wide ranging role where we get to do a lot of interesting stuff. Um, obviously it's, it's known as being, um, you know, high pressure um, and high stress. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, the work-life balance uh, is definitely, you know, a bit more on the, on the heavy side in terms of a, a lot of work. Um, but it's a great industry to kind of learn finance and learn financial modeling, which are really uh, valuable skills in, in kind of like the work environment. And it's a position that I, I've really enjoyed and, and, and feel like has, has been really great for me. And uh, my Wesleyan uh, experience prepared me really well to, to be successful. Yeah. And just to reinforce that, it's not for everybody. And, and I think that's important. And where these informational interviews, if you're a current student, can really be powerful because you probably do get to do some really cool things, but you do work quite a bit. I mean, for example, we're doing this on a Saturday at uh, 4.30 in the afternoon because I assume something came up on Friday, right? And, and that's just the nature of your business is, you know, yeah. deliver, deliverables need to get out the door and you're expected to put the hours in and it's not a nine to five gig. Is that fair? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's nowhere close to nine to five. Um, and so that's something that I think to your point is, is extremely important in informational interviews is to understand kind of like, you know, what life is like at the, at the, you know, as you enter into a company and kind of what's expected of you. And so, yeah, to, to Brian's point, we were supposed to do this Friday at 5 p.m., uh, which also for most people is an undesirable time. But unfortunately, um, something came up a, a little earlier in the afternoon that took um, kind of into the into the wee hours on Friday and into the early morning of Saturday because um, it was something that, you know, uh, was important and needed immediately. And so kind of had to drop everything else that I was doing, um, you know, plans with friends on a Friday got canceled and or rescheduled. Um, because, you know, something came up with work and, and that's, you know, unfortunately a, a common occurrence, um, in the industry of investment banking because of, you know, you're a client focused person. And so if the client calls and, and wants something, it's kind of your job to get it to them as fast as you can, um, when they've asked for it as soon as possible. Um, and so you kind of work through that, but it, it's definitely an important thing to kind of learn and figure out is, you know, what do I want my life to look like after school? What do I want to be doing? Are there skills I want to be learning? How much do I want to be working? Um, where do I want to be working? Like those are all important things uh, to think about as you think about where in the landscape of the job market is best for you because, you know, investment banking isn't for everyone. Um, it isn't for most people, um, but for some people it's a great fit. Yeah, it's a great way to cut your teeth in the industry for sure. And 
how have the the skills that you developed as an athlete and you you enjoyed quite a bit of success both on the ice and the field translate into your professional career yeah i think there's a couple of things i think you know working as a part of a team is something that um, a lot of people really struggle with kind of entering into the workforce but for student athletes you know, you've been on teams your whole life. And so you know what it's like to be relied upon and to be dependable and, you know, to be on time for things. Um, you know, we have some of my colleagues really struggle with being on time for, you know, things that are, you know, start at 8 a.m. or 8.30 a.m. But, you know, as athletes, we're used to having a, you know, a morning practice at seven or a morning lift at 6.30 and kind of needing to wake up and be on time for those. Um, and so I think that's something that is super important. Uh, the other piece is just time management and, and kind of being able to be productive. I think as athletes, you're used to having a game on a Saturday or a match on a Saturday or a race. Uh, and so you're used to kind of having to manage your time and have less of it, um, you know, kind of throughout the week and over the weekend to get work done and to be productive. And so you know how to sit down and really um, push through things and, and be a really good member of, of any team. And I think those are probably like the two most important things, you know, it's not like, you know, I, I I'm on the ice making passes or like on the field throwing takeaway checks in my, in my, in my daily role. Um, so it's more kind of the things that like, you know, being on a team and, and just competing for things teaches you rather than, you know, that move or trick or skill uh, from an athletic perspective. That's great. And, you know, uh, Chad, I want to thank you for taking the time. As we discussed earlier in this conversation, I know that you're very busy and, and you're working a lot. So thanks for carving out the time. Um, you know, is it okay if folks who are interested in maybe investment banking or, or JP Morgan in particular, or maybe just want to um, learn a little bit more about how you built those relationships to land the gig that you had? Is it okay if folks reach out to you? And if so, kind of what is the best way to do that? I think that might be worth um, going into a little bit because you probably do get inbounded by a lot of current students who want to do X, Y, Z. What's the proper way to do that from your perspective um, as somebody who now is on the other side of the table? Yeah, it's actually a really good question. Um, so like for me, I'm a bit, I'm a bit different. Um, I am pretty accessible on anything. So like, people like reach out to me on LinkedIn. I respond, email, I respond, people text me, I respond. Uh, so I'm not right. Like I, I just graduated in 2019. I'm very junior. So I'm pretty relaxed and, and love speaking to Wesleyan students about um, finance and just kind of different areas of finance and, and different areas of, of JP Morgan. Uh, and so that's something I'm super passionate about, but I think generally the best approach is to kind of, you know, to do like a, a, an email to their email, probably on the, the alumni directory. That's the approach that I took and found was by far like the most effective way. I think that everyone I reached out to um, responded on that. So was able to get like a really high hit rate. Um, like I had a very um, professional email. I had my resume attached um, and, you know, people responded to me. Obviously the people that didn't, I, I followed up with uh, a few times, um, which I think is important. So I think generally like, you know, sending like an email to their, you know, the email on the alumni directory is great. Um, reaching out on LinkedIn is another great thing to do and, and people do frequently as well because sometimes it's a Wesleyan email or an outdated email on the alumni directory. And so I think that's also a great thing to do. 
um, is to reach out that way and, and kind of connect, you know, add, add them as a friend, send them a message that you'd love to chat um, and kind of go from there. Someone actually from Wesleyan um, just did that actually this, uh, this week and had, a, had an interview with JP Morgan coming up. And so, you know, we spoke, um, you know, every night kind of from the night that she reached out on LinkedIn up until, you know, when she was going in for the Super Day to kind of, uh, I did my best to kind of help prepare her for those interviews. Uh, and I think, you know, in the Wesleyan network, uh, there's a lot of people that are really willing to help. Uh, and so the only thing that is, is not great is, is to do nothing and say like, oh, well, no one reached out to me or something like that. Um, like there's a lot of great ways to kind of get out there and to get your name out there and to connect with people. And so I think email and LinkedIn are, you know, by far and above the, the two best methods to kind of reach out. And, and obviously anyone should feel free to, to reach out to me. I, I check my Wesleyan email, you know, all the time. Uh, sometimes I respond at uh, odd hours of the early morning, um, but I, I try to get back to everyone uh, within 24 hours to the extent that I can. It's kind of a rule I've set for myself. Uh, so I, I, I try my best to uphold that. Yeah. I mean, but uh, a big thing would be following up with people like, you know, not like don't, you know, send an email and then two hours later say, hey, like, you know, want to make sure you got my email. But, you know, like a week, two weeks later, hey, just, you know, I know you have a lot going on, but would really love a chance to connect um, because, you know, like, you know, in, in, in finance in particular, you're getting, you know, thousands of emails a day. And so, um, it, it's not unheard of that someone could, you know, click an email by accident and delete it, or just kind of have it get lost in the shuffle and, and really mean to respond. Um, which has happened to me more than once where someone's like, Oh, I responded. And I, you know, politely said, Oh, well, I, you know, I, I don't think I got that message, but either way, I'm glad we're able to connect now. And, and kind of go from there. So following up isn't isn't a bad thing at all, um, but just do it very polite, politely and respectfully. Yeah, the, the term that we use in my firm because we do quite a bit of sales and business development is you know thoughtfully persistent, right? You don't want to be a bug, but oftentimes, especially for busy folks, three to five uh, touch points is not unusual before you can get a live conversation going. And so, yeah, I mean, just because nobody doesn't respond, that's not a no just take some time, be organized. And, and I, I like what you said, because, you know, Wesleyan will open up a lot of doors. And especially if you narrow down into an affinity group, right? Another person who had the same major as you, somebody who played the same sport as you, and it will afford you a lot of opportunity, but you need to be prepared to execute when you get those opportunities to talk. So just terrific stuff. Um, thank you for the time. And, you know, I've been struggling with some of the younger folks I've talked to do you know what the Douglas Cannon is? The Douglas Cannon? Man, I need to educate you guys a little bit more. So we're gonna we're gonna move past that question, but it's an, Google it, Wesleyan Douglas Cannon, and you know you'll learn something um, out of this whole conversation. But Chad, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. this. Has been tremendous, and thank you for being open to other folks reaching out. I think they could learn a lot from you. Yeah, I look forward to the conversations that come of this. And, and again, please feel free to, to reach out to me in my Wesleyan email or, or, or anything. But uh, love, love talking to Wesleyan uh, students uh, about, you know, finance and just kind of my, my career and, and, you know, love, love helping other people kind of get involved and just kind of figure out what, what's the right path for them. Awesome. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate it. Take care.